moved into the, the out of the dark ages into the modern world. Um, I have always preached with a paper and I write it down, but it's, I've been uh, convinced by people that paper's old school now. You've got to get one of these things. So I got a little deal there at, at Optus and, and uh, last week was my first week using this. And so I, I sat down and I busily whacked my, uh, my notes together and got my message ready and woke up in the morning and worked on some stuff and then went and had a shower and then came out from after my shower and turned on my thing and everything was gone. I'd lost everything. Um, no, there we go today. I've got it this week. That's excellent. excellent. Let's just quickly pray. Father, we just pray that you'd open up our hearts this morning, Lord, just to hear what you have to say. Holy Ghost, take these words, interpret them into the different languages that are represented here. And Father, I pray that each of us would walk away uh, God, feeling more closer to you, God, more in touch with where you are in our world, what you're doing, what you're saying to us, Father. So Holy Spirit, we just pray, have your way with us in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, last week we started talking about faith. And uh, you, can, you can jump on the Facebook thing. It all, but uh, I did preface by saying, uh, whenever I hear a message on faith, I, I have a natural tendency to shrink back a little bit. I've heard so many extreme messages on faith with, with the end result of the more faith you have, the more cars you can have and the more houses you can have and the more money you can have and all this sort of stuff. So I, I, I hesitate to speak on faith. I don't do it a lot. I do it more when I, I teach on evangelism and in different uh, training schools, organisations I, I, I get to go to. But I generally don't speak about faith a lot at church. Although indirectly we do, because everything we speak about is attached to faith and grace, regardless of what the topic is. If it doesn't include faith and grace, it's, it's not sitting as close perhaps to the cross as what it should. Um, but uh, last week we, we talked a little bit about how natural faith is, that we all exercise faith every day. All of you this morning exercised faith when you walked in here. None of you got that chair and, and put a measure on it and a weight and made sure it would hold your body weight and checked out the specs of it and made sure you weren't going. You just came in here naturally and you sat in the chair. Because if you're not your experience of sitting in chairs, you've got faith in that chair. You drove here in your car this morning, you didn't check your fuel lines, make sure you're working, da 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 you got up, you had your breakfast, you did a whole bunch of things. Today you've exercised faith probably a hundred times already. Okay? Uh, but the direction of your faith has been in various sorts of various things. When we talk about faith in the church, we're talking about having that faith directed towards God and, 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 and having our faith in what God says and who God is and trusting God, getting to the point in our journey with God where we trust God and faith with the same ease and simplicity that we trust Toyota and Honda and Kellogg's and Norco. We want to get to that same place where we have that same trust in God. It's not a place, faith's not a place of striving to try to make things happen. You know, if I can just pop a couple of blood vessels in my head, that'll show God I'm striving really, really hard to get faith, to have faith. Faith is something that develops in our world and the goal of faith is to get to that place where we exercise faith naturally. It doesn't mean that every time we trust God or everything we do in life is easy. Nobody ever promised that life would be easy, but it means that when we trust God, we can do that with the same simplicity and the same ease with which we have learnt over years and years of life to trust all these other things and put faith in all these other things. So we covered a bit of, bit of that ground last week. We just got a bit of a basic uh, understanding of how faith operates, how simple faith is, and the fact that we all operate in faith uh, throughout our life. This week I want to move on and continue on with that. And, and, and today I want to talk about how faith comes. This is not going to be an incredibly profound uh, message. I'm, I'm not uh, here to 
you know, come up with something you haven't heard before. You've been in church long enough, you've all probably heard this. Um, but it's important that we understand how faith develops. When we read the Gospels, we cannot help but see, as much as I have a natural sort of reflex against hearing too much about faith, which is, is, is my own issues from things that have happened to me in the past and, and teachings I may have sat under and heard, I can't avoid the fact that Jesus was impressed with great faith. It's in the Bible. I can't help but be impressed with the fact that Jesus was perplexed and frustrated with people who wouldn't exercise faith. He would get frustrated. Oh, you of little faith, how long will I hang around you? How much more do you want me to do? How much more do you want to see? How much more teaching do you need? When will you start to exercise faith? We talked about these two extremes. The Bible says that with faith, all things are possible. So we've got this extreme up here where with faith, all things are possible. Everything is possible. It doesn't say everything will happen, but it says all of a sudden you're in a realm where all things are now possible. Things that were impossible before, things that are impossible to the world, things that are impossible intellect to science, whatever, all of a sudden they're possible because I'm in this place called all things are possible and that is a, is a place of faith. At the other extreme we have this place where without faith it's impossible to please God. We've got the other extreme which is the impossible extreme and without faith you live down here. So the choice is, the Christian journey is that we go from impossible with no faith, we meet Jesus and we're on a journey heading over here towards all things are possible with faith. And that's the Christian journey. That's what we're on. And Jesus expects, there's an expectation from God that we would grow in faith. We see that right throughout the New Testament. We see that in Jesus' attitude towards those without faith. I don't believe that Jesus was angry or, or condemning to those without faith. He never looked at them and said, are you without faith? It was, it was more a heartfelt plea, oh, you of little faith. Come on, come with me. I want to take you away from this impossible place you live in, this realm where unless you can see, taste, touch, feel, work it out, intellectualise it, it can't happen. I want to take you out of that to a place where the God who said, let there be and there was, is in control. The God of the universe is in control. And that's the journey that each of us are on. And we're all on different stages of that journey. And that's a normal, natural thing. And there's no condemnation for any of us at any stage of that journey. Okay? I don't compare myself with others and go, well, this person, you know, I remember years ago teaching on a, on a, a, a youth with a mission training school on evangelism and, and this guy came in, he wasn't part of the training school, but he was a traveller and he stayed at the base and he came in and sat in on the lectures and while I was teaching about evangelism, this guy was gung-ho and getting behind, behind the scenes away from uh, lectures and that he was getting in the ears of all the students that were there and basically talking himself up and saying how wonderful he was and don't listen to Al, come with me and I'll show you how it's done, rah, 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 rah. So on the Friday night, at the end of the week, I always come out in the streets. Let's go, we've heard a lot about this, we've talked about it, let's go out in the street now. What we're going to do is we're just going to listen to the Spirit of God and we're going to let him lead us. We're not going to just run around telling everyone and feeling like you... Because it's not like that. Jesus said, I only do the things I see the Father do. I only say the things I hear the Father say. It's about relationship and connectedness with God. Okay? And so I would take them out and say, right, we're not going to go out tonight. I don't expect you to talk to 15 people tonight. If you talk to one person because the Lord led you there, that's successful. If you talk to nobody because you didn't feel... That's fine. Just walk around and pray for the others that are walking around and listening to God. You know, So we would do this. Anyway, this guy talked himself up so much. He had great faith and he was... Grrr. And at the end of the night, we all came back and I was having a coffee in the lunchroom and, and, and some of the other students came to me and they, 
I asked them, how was your night? And they said, oh, I was really disappointed, actually. I said, well, what, what were you disappointed in? They said, oh, no, no, the night was good. You know, we got to talk to this, blah, blah. But this particular guy, he all week talked such a big game. Then when we went out there, he just went to water. He didn't know how to, couldn't string two words together about God to people. He was erratic. He was aggressive with people in the street. Blah, 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 blah. You know? They'd been building themselves up, comparing themselves to this guy, feeling like, oh, wow, he's got it all together. He's got it all together. He knows his stuff. He's great. And at the end of the week, they realised, well, hang on a second, he's actually nowhere near even where you are. So you don't compare yourself with other people, okay? I have a journey with God. It's my individual journey. We heard a bit of Teresa's uh, individual journey with the Lord today. And each person here has an individual journey with God, okay? The thing is, so long as we're aware it's a journey and so long as we're heading in the right direction, that's what matters. As long as we're heading in the right direction, you know what? Um, business class, economy class. Same plane, two different classes, and you both land at the same time. But the journey is definitely different, okay? The journey is definitely different. And faith is about the journey. Okay. I read this story this week. NASA engineers built a cannon that launches dead chickens at the windshields of airplanes, military jets and such, to test the strength of the windshields against collisions with airborne fowl. British engineers are eager to test it on the windshields of their new high-speed trains. Arrangements are made and a cannon is sent to the British engineers as well. When the cannon goes off, the engineers stand shocked. A chicken crashes into the shatterproof shield, smashes at the smithereens, blasts through the control console, snaps the pilot's backrest in two, and embeds itself in the back wall of the cabin. As you can imagine, they're pretty unimpressed with this. The horrified Brits send the Americans a report of the disastrous results, along with an urgent request for suggestions on improving the windshield design. The American engineers respond with a one-line memo. Thaw the chicken. Thaw the chicken. They were putting frozen chickens in this cannon and shooting frozen chickens out. When their cannon was originally uh, it was with actual unfrozen chickens because I don't see many frozen chickens falling out of the sky and flying into windscreens. Sometimes the answers to our questions are very, very simple and they're right there in front of us. And that's a little bit like that with faith. The Bible gives us a very, very clear and easy to follow idea on how we get faith. Uh, Romans chapter 10 Verse 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. We've all read this verse 100,000 times, I'm sure. As I said, it's a Thor the chicken message today. It's right there. It's easy, and we should all be able to see it. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Paul is speaking specifically here about faith for salvation. Uh, if you go back and you read, he's talking about faith for salvation. He, he goes on this logical sequence of, of, of events where he says, how can people hear unless someone tells them? And how can they tell them unless they're sent? And, how can they? and he goes through this logical thing. And he comes to his conclusion and says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When we hear the word of God, it builds faith in our hearts. It's the same scenario for building faith in the rest of our life as we started out with with salvation faith comes by hearing what god has to say and acting on what god has to say faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the lord uh, faith can come to us you are on a journey and i'm on a journey all right i may be between impossible station and possible station and you know in some areas of my life i feel like i'm way up here towards possible station because I've had experiences in my life. See, the faith that you have in sitting in that chair and driving in that car and so on, that faith is based on two things, knowledge and experience. 
You have a knowledge about certain things and based on that knowledge you then have experiences and you put those two things together, you have faith. Knowledge and experience working together create an environment where you have faith. And there are certain things in my Christian walk where I have knowledge. I've, I've studied the word of God, I've, 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 I've looked into what the Bible says and I've stepped out and I've had certain experiences with God in missions, in family life, with finances, with with, with things with uh, relationships and so on. And when I put those two things together, I might be up here in certain areas of my faith. I might be able to really find it easy to trust God in this area. But you know what? There are other areas where I know what the Bible says, but I'm still down here. And I'm still not quite sure where I'm at with certain things. There are some things that I can trust God with implicitly. And there are other things that I'm still closer towards impossible station, still trying to get my head around it, still trying to get my experience to line up with what I know the Word of God says. Because we know God doesn't lie. We know that what God says is true. But the good news is faith comes by hearing. Faith can come to me. All right? I need to live every day with an expectation that I'm going to lay my head down on my pillow tonight with greater faith than I did when I woke up. Because faith can come to me today. It's possible for my faith to move. Where I'm sitting right now in faith does not mean that I need to spend the rest of my life sitting in that place. That's a very, very defeatist mentality. If we believe that the faith that you have today is all you're ever going to have, you're going to live a very life. You're going to live a pressed Christian experience. Faith can come to us. Faith can increase in our world. Um, I had to do a, a whiskey presentation this week. I work for Dan Murphy's in Ballina, so I, I deal with one six days a week and deal with another on, 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 on a Sunday. But um, I had to do a whiskey presentation this week on, on Friday night at work. And, and in the two days leading up to it, I've got to do all the preparation, all the stuff. And you know what? I, I hate doing the stuff. I love the presentation. I love getting up there with the people when they're all there and, and teaching them and talking to them and, and they, you know, doing and talking about the distilleries and the technology. I love that side of it. I'm really good at that. But the two days leading up to it, I hate it. I've got to sit in the office and print things up for them. I've got to sit down and write notes and uh, I've got to be uh, setting tables and cleaning glasses so that they're completely crystal see-through and look expensive more than they actually are. Um, I've got to, to be uh, 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 getting napkins and paper towels and laying them out. I'm getting pens, making sure they work and putting them in cups so they're all facing the same direction so it looks really nice when the... All this stuff that I've got to do that I just can't stand doing. But you know what, I do it because I have a really strong belief that at the end of the two days, something is going to happen that's going to be amazing. People are going to turn up. And because I know what's coming at the end of it, I can put up with going through the drudgery and the boredom of some of the other stuff. All right? How many of you know, sometimes, I'm not saying all the time, but sometimes the disciplines of the Christian life can be a bit monotonous? I'll be honest. I don't wake up every morning, look at my clock at 5.30 and go, Yes! I'm going to pray today. I'm going to pray. The alarm goes off and I scratch the sleep out and I go, Bible time, yeah! Woo! Can't wait, bring it on. You know? Some days I look at that alarm at 5.30 and this morning I, I thought I'll get up nice and early to, to just polish this up and have a bit of a go over my notes and, and pray. And I set my alarm for 5.30 this morning because it's been a really busy week. I haven't had a lot of time and I didn't finish work until 9.30 last night at Dan's. I'll get up early this morning and spend some 
praying. Set my alarm at 5.30 and it was fantastic when I rose at 6.30. I felt really, really good. Um, hit the snooze button, you know. Sometimes the stuff that we go through is a bit... You know, some days, I know you may find this hard to believe coming to this church, but some days you don't feel like going to church. Is that right? Some mornings you wake up and you just don't want to go to church, you know. And, 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 and some mornings you... You know, you, you, you get out and it's, it's beautiful, the sun is shining and you're thinking the last five Sundays it's been so bleak and miserable and, and, and I've, I've worked yesterday and I've got to work tomorrow and, I've got, and, and, and you get a text message as you're getting ready for church from your best friend that you haven't seen in 20 years and, 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 and you know, we're going to meet and we're going to do the favourite thing that you do. And by the way, if you get a text message from a friend you haven't seen in 20 years and they can only meet with you Sunday morning, go and meet with them. Okay, go and meet with them because that's really, really important. Okay, um, this is not a you must be in church every week thing. Those of you that have been here since the time we started the church would know we're not like that. Well, we all have a life outside of church. Um, but the point I'm making is sometimes the Christian disciplines, uh, prayer, reading the Word of God, and attending church, sometimes they don't feel good. Sometimes they are a bit of hard work. But I'll tell you what: if you have expectation at the end of it, that faith will grow. Faith will grow. It's a bit like setting up the tables and doing all that stuff. It's, it was boring and monotonous and I hated doing it. And sometimes it's difficult to, to get into the habit of doing that stuff. And it is a habit, by the way. Going to church is a habit, just like not going to church is a habit. Reading our Bible is a habit, just like not reading becomes a habit. Praying becomes a habit in your life, just like not praying can easily become a habit as well. Okay, we're all creatures of habit, and 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 the word habit is not a non-religious word. Jesus was in the habit of praying. Jesus was in the habit of going to the synagogue and fellowshipping. You know, um, and he teaches us to be in some of those spiritual habits as well. But the point I'm making is, it makes those things so much easier and so much more exciting when we have in our mind and in our spirit a vision that these things are building faith in my life. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And the more I can get around the Word of God, the more behind the scenes stuff's going on, moving and working and weaving. And faith is building. And sometimes I can see that faith, other times I can't. Sometimes I don't see that faith until all of a sudden I'm in a moment of time, a situation where, where all of a sudden the only thing that's going to get me through this moment is my belief that God is real, my belief that God is there, my belief that God is able. And maybe months ago when I was in that situation, I, I, I fell by the wayside and I couldn't believe God. But all of a sudden, six months down the track, you find yourself in a similar situation and you, and you get to look back and you go, wow, where'd that come from? Where'd that come from? Where, how, how, did I, how come I couldn't trust God back then but I can trust God now? Well, maybe faith came to you. Maybe faith came to you. And we live every day with that expectation. I wake up every day and one of my prayers every day is, Lord, Lord I, I thank you, God, today. Increase my faith. Today, Lord, help me uh, to exercise my faith. Help me to trust you. Whatever I go through today, God, use it for your glory so that at the end of the day, I can lay my head down with greater faith than when I pulled it off the pillow this morning. Amen? So faith comes to us. 2 Corinthians 10.15. Paul writes this. He says, Not boasting of things beyond measure, that is in other men's labour, speaking of his his mission field and, and his ministry. He says, But having hope that as your faith is increased, that as faith is increased. Paul's not writing to non-believers. He's writing to the church here. And he's saying that as your faith is increased, there's an expectation in the New Testament that our faith would increase. Our faith is like a raging river. It's not a stagnant pool of water. It's a raging river and it's taking us places. It's taking us places. Okay? 
Romans 10.8 says, The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Uh, Ephesians 3.17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. How many of you know the difference between giving mental assent to certain truths about God and actually having faith? We heard um, uh, Teresa's testimony this morning. It was a beautiful testimony. I'm really blessed that you would share that with us too, by the way. I'm, I'm really... Humble that you would allow us to, to see that part of your world. One of the things that, that, that never ceases to amaze me when you read the New Testament is that the Pharisees had all the head knowledge in the world. I mean, these guys were loaded with Bible knowledge. They were loaded. A lot of these guys could memorise the first five books of the Bible. From childhood, they had been brought up to memorise the first five books of the... And I'm not talking the first five books of the New Testament, by the way. That would be somewhat amazing. These are the first five books of the Old Testament, the law. These guys had memorised it. You could ask them, where's this? And they could tell you book, verse, where to find it and so on. They could take it to the scroll and show you it's in here. These guys had so much knowledge, it wasn't funny. They knew about a Messiah that was going to come. They knew all this stuff. Yet when he appeared before them, it went straight over their heads and they totally and utterly missed him. They had all the knowledge in the world. But faith is not about what we know up here. Faith is about what we allow to drip down into here. Faith dwells in the heart, not the head. And there's nothing wrong with gathering knowledge. Nothing wrong with getting Couple that knowledge with a bit of faith and create an environment where that knowledge can drip down. All that knowledge does make us proud and think we're better than everybody else because we know more. There's a big difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Yeah? Big, big difference between knowing about God and actually having a relationship with God. Knowing God in your heart through faith. Having a connection with God. And Jesus came so that we could have that connection with God. Not that we would just have a bunch of knowledge. Actually, while we're here, go, go with me to Luke 25 real quick. Pretty sure it's... Might not be... See if I can find this. Luke 24. If you can find Luke 25, put your hands up. Your Bible's got one extra book, um, chapter. Luke 24. says, Jesus appears to his disciples in verse 36. And I'll go through it real quick. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and he said to them, Peace to you. They were terrified and frightened and supposed they'd seen a spirit. He said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do you doubt? Why do doubts arise in your heart? See, faith resides in your heart, so does doubt. Okay. Faith and doubt both operate on the same principles and they both operate in here. Out of your heart flow the issues of life. That's why we guard, that's why we guard our faith. Okay, that's why faith is so important. And he goes on and says, uh, Behold my hands and my feet. This is uh, me. Handle me. See, for the spirit does not have flesh and bones. He said, uh, You got any food? And they gave him some food and so on. And verse 44, Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets in the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scripture. This is amazing. Right up until this point, what we can infer from this is they knew stuff, but they didn't quite understand the Scripture. The Pharisees who had all the knowledge of the world, all the understanding, and Jesus appears... This book talks about. Jesus said of the Pharisees, He said, You search the scriptures daily, for in them you think you have eternal life, but these are the that speak of me. But you will not come to life. They knew everything there was to know. 
And Jesus comes, the very one the scriptures talked about, and boom, straight over the head. Didn't see it. The disciples here have walked with Jesus. They've had a whole bunch of experiences. They've seen healings, miracles, food, uh, water turned into wine, multiplication, water, all this. They've seen all this stuff. Yet this verse is telling us, even with all of that stuff, they still didn't fully understand the scriptures. God had to open their eyes. Jesus had to open their eyes so they could understand the scriptures. Now, the great thing about this is this. If you just have knowledge, you can miss God. It's not about knowledge. It's not about just racking up a hundred Bible verses and getting theological degrees and so on. I'm not, not against any of that, by the way. I think study theology, it's great. Um, but it's not about just getting head knowledge. These guys that lived on head knowledge, it all went over their heads. There were times that Jesus would be in their presence for them. He couldn't do anything. He wanted to, but he couldn't do anything because of unbelief. It stopped him. It created this spiritual barrier to what he wanted to but it says here that Jesus opened their eyes to understand the scriptures. This came after they had experienced God. This is the point. Relationship with God is not just knowledge, it's experience as well. It's experience. These guys had had experiences with God. So they're interpreting the scriptures in the light of personal experience with God. The Pharisees interpreted scripture in the light of knowledge. That was it. They had no personal experience with God. Because they had no personal experience with God, the scriptures really made no sense to them, even though they thought they did. These 12 backward hillbillies that Jesus grabbed. And that's what they were. If you have a look at their backgrounds, they were most affluent, most, you know. They were southern Galilean hillbilly type people from the backwoods. But they walked with Jesus. They had a relationship with him. They journeyed with him. They experienced his presence, his voice, his power. And on the basis of all that, they were able to have their eyes opened up to interpret scripture correctly. Because this book is meant to be interpreted, not just as a book of knowledge, but we interpret it in relation to human experience as well. Our experience with God. Because God is an experiential God. God is an experiential God. And it's faith that opens up the eyes of our understanding, faith that opens up our heart to step into those experiences with him. Otherwise, if it's all up here, we stand back. But God wants us to enter into an experience with him. For faith to come, we need to be listening. If faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, first the fact that we need to be listening. We have to be listening to God. We have to be listening to what God is saying to us. We can sit here this morning, let me tell you something. You know, how many of you know that God can... 50 different things to each individual in this room today. Why? Because you have your own personal journey with God. I do a message up and I have an idea of what I want to present. I get a sense from God, speak on this. Here's your point. But you know what? The amount of times that I've preached in churches or, or, or meetings or whatever, and a person has come up to me, oh, I was so touched by the Lord, that was amazing. And when you said this, it so impacted me. And I'm sitting there going, I didn't say that. I actually didn't even say that. I can walk away feeling disappointed, going, I'm such a bad communicator. They didn't even get my point. I can try to talk them out of what the Lord told them. No, no, that's not what God, that's not what I was saying. But God spoke to them anyway. And you can sit here in a meeting like this and everything something totally different because we all have our own personal walk with the Lord. And God knows where you are at and God knows where you need that faith boost. God knows what's happening in your world and he wants to increase that faith. God wants to increase your faith. So God will speak to you at that point. But you have to be committed to be listening to what the Spirit of God is saying to you in your given situation. 
What is God saying to you in your given situation? If I was to ask you now, whatever you're going through in life right now, if I was to say to you, what is the Lord saying to you right now about your situation? You know what? What I've noticed about Christians, a lot of times Christians are really, really quick to tell me what God is saying to everybody else. They're really quick to tell me what God is saying to everybody else. Oh, the Lord's saying this to... Oh, God's telling everyone this. Okay. What is God saying to you for you? Because you have a relationship with him for you. What is the Lord saying to you about your situation? Because God knows that to get through your situation... Because faith creates that opportunity for God to move in and do what God wants to. So I'm pretty sure, knowing that God is a good God and a loving God and wants good things for us, I'm very confident that based on the character and the nature of God, that God is speaking to you about your situation. And what he's saying to you is to build faith in your heart to get through that situation. So what is he saying to you? I don't want to hear you telling me what he's saying forever. What is he saying to you? Anyone else know Christian? I'm sure that we all have come across believers like that. Know what God's saying to everybody else, but don't know what God's saying to them. Well, stop listening. Stop eavesdropping on God's conversations with the rest of the world and listen to what he is saying to you right now. Because faith will come into your heart and into your situation. You will listen to what the Lord is saying to you. In order to hear God, I can think of no better place to be than to get into those simple, basic Christian disciplines. Make prayer a habit. Make it a habit. Okay? Not as a religious thing, but do it as out of a heart of expectation that this will position me for faith to come. Make it a habit. Maybe you don't pray every day. You know what? I'm sure that each of us, just five minutes, that's all. I'm not saying an hour. Just, just start by five minutes. Make a commitment to the Lord. I'm going to pray five minutes a day. That's all. I'm going to get up five minutes earlier than I normally do and I'm just going to commit to... Guess what? At the end of that week, you would have given God 35 minutes of focus prayer. That's great. Because if you're doing nothing at the moment, that's 35... That's half million times percent more than what you're doing. I'm not good at maths, but it's got to be something like that. Okay? Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Read your Bible. Because God speaks to us in prayer and God speaks to us through his word. Bible. If you're not in the habit of reading your Bible every day, I challenge you, get into the habit. I'm not saying you have to read five books a day. The amount is irrelevant. It's the habit. It's getting in that zone, getting in that place where you're opening yourself up for God to speak. Read, read one chapter a day. It's going to take you one minute, 60 seconds of your life. But what it's going to do is it's going to put stuff, deposits there, that at the right time, God can open up that little slot between your brain and your heart and go, boom, the penny falls down. You've got it. A bit of faith comes into your world. But you've got to put it in there. You've got to position yourself and be in that place for faith to come. Make prayer a habit. Make Bible reading a habit. And the third thing is church. Now, I know that we have lives and different things and, and, and every, those of you that come here regularly know my stance on church. We, we, we're not chasing you up if you miss a week or two. It's between you and God. I'm not going to be, be hassling you. I'm not saying you have to be here every week. None of that stuff. That's, that's, you know, like I said, if you, I know a lot of people when I used to, um, before we took this on, even now, there are some days where I'm a week. And guess what? If I wasn't pastoring, I might not be here today because today would be the only day I'd have a chance to be with my kids because they're back to school tomorrow. So you juggle it, you know. Having said that, I probably still would be here just because I'm in the habit now and I see the benefit of it and it's great. 
to have my kids here and everything. But the point I'm making is it's not a legalistic thing. All right? But I can think of no other better place to be than to be around you guys if I want to help faith build in my heart. There's no substitute for reading the word of God, praying and fellowship. Those three things will position you in a fantastic place to hear from God. And when we hear from God, faith comes by hearing. And we move down that journey towards this place where all things are possible and we become a church of all things are possible and that's what we want. I don't want a Christianity of words. I have no time for it. I want to see God do what God says he can do. When, 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 when I do with, with um, uh, different organisations and we've done street evangelism and so on and I'll sit down and feel the Lord prompt the talk, I talk to people. And then I ask them, can I pray for them? And they'll go, yeah. And my prayer is always this, God, they don't have to believe you because of what I'm saying. You can touch their life. Their relationship with God is not going to be based on my words. It's going to be based on their personal encounter with the Spirit of God. Their personal encounter with God. God, they don't, they don't need to know you because of what I'm saying. God, you're big enough to touch their world and to move their heart and to do something real that they can hang on to. Because if I can talk you into faith, someone will talk you out of it. But nobody... Nobody can talk you out of a genuine encounter with the Holy Spirit. When God touches your life in a real way, you can't be talked out of that kind of faith. And that's where we're going. We want to be that kind of, a, of believers, that kind of a church, that, that have that kind of faith. We create that environment where the Spirit of God can move. Not just here on a Sunday, but we take it out into our workplaces, into our schools, into our businesses, into Dan Murphy's at a whiskey workshop. You know? That's, that's where we're heading. That's what we want to do. So we've got to be listening. Um, D.L. Moody, the great American evangelist, said this once. He said, I prayed for faith and thought that someday faith would come down and strike me like lightning. But faith did not seem to come. One day I read in the 10th chapter of Romans, Now faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I had closed my Bible and prayed for faith. I now opened my Bible and began to study and faith has been growing ever since. Faith comes by hearing. Get in an environment where you get to hear the word of God. That is how you will build and develop your faith. And the third thing is we need to be listening to the word of God above everything else as well. How many of you know we live in a clouded environment and a crowded time? I would have loved, loved to have been Adam in the garden where all I had to do was listen to God and Eve. Two voices in my head. Huh? Two voices, that's all I've got to, got to deal with. Mind you, I'd probably be more afraid of my wife than I was God, and I'd disobey God probably more than I do now. But God, she said, I'll be God, she said, I'll just do Adam's just doing what Eve said. That's what he said. I'm just doing what she said, Eve. Uh, God, you mad at me. I only got two voices here. Which one would you listen to? You know, or you made her. You don't, you're on the bad side of that. How easy, though, just two voices to listen to. How many voices do you got to deal with now? Man, there's the media, there's television, there's the boss, there's the kids, there's this, there's pressures, there's societal pressures, there's political correctness pressures, there's all pressures and all kinds of voices and we are so clouded in. I think there's a reason why Adam and Eve were created and put in a garden. Such a serene environment would have made it with all... The there's something about being in nature, I reckon, I still believe this, being out in a natural environment that pushes everything aside and allows me to connect, well, for me anyway, allows me to connect more freely with God. I love away from everything else. 
and I can connect with God and I can push those voices aside. But you know what? I come back down from that mountain, back into the valley, back into the real world, and I've got so many voices. And I've got to learn how to prioritize the voice of God above everything else. And that's not always easy. I've learned to do it. Because you know what? All these other voices are sapping faith from me. I've got so many voices telling me this is the best you're ever going to be. This is the most you're ever going to have. You can't get higher than this. Your body's going through this. The doctor's saying this. You've got your finances are this. Your bank balance is saying this. Your, 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 your brain's telling you this. Your, your boss is telling you this. Your school teachers are telling you. Wow. Wow. So many voices. But there's only one that's trying to put faith in you. And that's the voice we need to learn to listen to. It's the voice of God. It's the word of God. What does God say about you today? Who does God say that you are? Who does God say? What does God say about your situation? That's the voice I want to listen to because that's the voice that's going to build faith in my heart. Now, there are two words in the New Testament, primary words used for faith, uh, for word, sorry. One is Logos and one is Rhema. One is the what we would refer to as the written word. The Logos is... We would refer to as the written word of God. Then there's the rhema word of God, which God actually speaks something to your heart. This is what we're talking about here with faith comes. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the spoken word of God. When God takes that written word that was stored up here and he opens that slot and he drops it down into our heart because he speaks it. We see that in the Bible all the time. Peter got out of water. Why? Because he had a word from the Lord. to do. Why did the other 11 not do it? Maybe had they asked the Lord, can we do that too? Maybe he might have said, yeah. Because Peter asked first, if it's you. Peter didn't just make a presumption and jump out and go, well, the word of God says that I'm going to walk on water, so I'm just going to jump out and walk on water. The word of God says I'm healed, so I'm going to throw away all my you know, medications because I'm just healed. That's called presumption. That's not faith. That's not faith. That's presumption. The word of God is very clear against presumption. We're not talking today about just making blind presumptions. We're talking about faith. We're talking about listening to what God is saying to you in your situation and your circumstance based upon the basic knowledge of the character and the nature of God and who we know God to be. Peter gets out of that boat and he walks on water because the Lord spoke to him. The other 11 didn't. If the other 11 had just jumped out on the basis that this is what God said to Peter, we probably would have seen a couple of deaths that day. may have seen a couple of drownings that day. Faith and presumption are not the same thing. All right? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God when God speaks to us. Um, there's a situation in the word of God. I'll, I'll move forward. We're running out of time here. In 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9, Paul had a situation going on in his life. Bible commentators can't uh, come to any decision with clarity about what that situation was. All we know is that he referred to a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. A thought in his flesh is what he said. The only things they really know is, number one, that it was clearly from the enemy. Number two, if the enemy was doing it, it was only because God allowed it to happen because the devil's not bigger than God. God allowed a little bit like, a, like Job, I guess, where the enemy came and, and, and God gave him certain boundaries and said, yep, you can do what you're doing, but there are certain boundaries and limitations on this. So we don't know a lot about this situation. Could have been a physical situation. There's some indication in the scripture that it could have been an eye ailment, a, 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 a condition with his eyes. Whatever the situation was is irrelevant. Here's the thing. Paul did a Peter and he went to the Lord and said, take this away. And the word of the Lord to him was this, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. 
That was the word of the Lord for him in that situation. That was the rhema of God to him. That produced faith in him. Sometimes we need faith to see things change. Sometimes we need faith to keep a steady course and go through what we're going through. I think we tend to presume too much sometimes that every situation, God wants to change and stop everything. There are times and situations, and we can see them clearly in the New Testament, and this is a great example of that, where the word of the Yes, I'll change it, believe I'll hear. It was, my grace is sufficient. There's a reason, there's a purpose. One of those purposes could have been that Paul was so incredibly full of knowledge. And this is his own indication in this too. I've got a lot of knowledge here and I've got these other uh, apostles coming into the territory and talking themselves up and I could talk myself up even more than them. But this situation, whatever it is, is just reminding me that it's only by God's grace. It's only by the grace of God. So what is the rhema word of God to you for your situation? What is God saying to you right now? Step out in faith. Trust in faith and things will happen. Step out in presumption and there are actually no biblical guarantees if you step out in presumption. Uh, I read this story this morning about a man. He appeared before the pearly gates. You probably know it's a joke straight away because how do I know that he did that? He appeared before the pearly gates. Have you ever done anything of particular merit, says Peter? Well, I can think of one thing, replies the man. Once I came upon a group of high testosterone bikers who were threatening a young woman. I directed them to leave her alone, but they wouldn't listen. So I approached the largest, biggest, ugliest, toughest, tattooed biker I could find. I smacked him in the head, kicked over his bike, ripped out his nose ring, threw it on the ground next to his head and said, leave her alone now or you'll answer to me. Peter was really impressed with this and he says, wow, this happened a couple of minutes ago. A couple of minutes ago. Presumption presumption can get us in sometimes very awkward and difficult situations. But God wants us to move out in faith. I'll get um, Brooke and Dean. You guys want to come back now? We'll finish up. Who's heard of the law of entropy? Yep. If it's not going forward, it's going backwards. If it's not improving, it's degenerating. If it's not living, it's dying. Nothing in life is stagnant. Nothing in life is stagnant. The minute they made this chair, took this plastic mould out of the plastic chair moulder machine, the very minute they took it out, it began to deteriorate. Is that right? The very minute it came out, it began to deteriorate. Uh, the minute my sunglasses were made and put together, they didn't continue to improve. They've started to go backwards. Nothing in life that's living or that's innate is stagnant. Everything is in a series of either regeneration or degeneration. Our faith is a living thing. It's a living thing. It's not stagnant. Your faith is going somewhere. It's either heading here towards all things being possible or it's heading back here to the place where all things are impossible. Where is your faith heading right now? Which direction is your faith heading in? You know, back in the 1700s, um, the, the, a lot of uh, ships made across the, uh, from Britain across to America and different parts of the world when they were basically taking over the world. Um, and you know what? Millions of people were dying of this thing called scurvy. It was killing people. It's a vitamin C deficiency, I think it is. Anyway, there was a guy by the name of Captain Cook. You've probably heard of him. And he discovered something. He discovered that sauerkraut is 
can be maintained in such a way that it can go for months and months and months and months. They use some sort of sh uh, salt salting technique, and they can maintain the sauerkraut. And sauerkraut was 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 uh, full of vitamin C. It could ward off scurvy on the ships. We could start doing these ships, and people would no longer have to die of this sickening, dreadful disease. But you know what happened? Dying of scurvy. You know why? Because they didn't t like the taste of sauerkraut. True story. They continued to die on ships because they didn't like the taste of sauerkraut. Let me tell you something. Your faith is either growing or it's dying. It's going forward or it's going back. And you know what? You might not like putting five minutes aside in the morning to read the Word of God. And, I, and there's not a judgment on you. Just We're busy. Life is busy. It's out of control for some of us. And at five minutes, you might think, you know what? I don't want to read the Bible. I just want to sit in a room staring blankly at a, at, at a wall with no one talking to me. That's how I want to spend that five minutes. Well, you can do that. That's fine. No dramas, no judgment, no condemnation for those of you in Christ. But that five minutes in the Word of God is like chewing on the sauerkraut on an ocean voyage. could save your life. That five minutes in prayer save your spiritual life. Making church a habit could save your spiritual life. Just as avoiding those things could eventually lead to spiritual death. And I've seen it happen. I've seen people themselves from the Bible. I've seen people get too busy to read the Word and too busy to pray. And I've seen the effects of it. And I've experienced the effects of it in my own life as well. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of the Lord. God has said this, and I'm getting it here, but I want to be with him and hear what he's saying down in here for my situation, for my circumstance, because there, there are breakthroughs and there are miracles waiting to happen. But what is God saying? Because that's the only thing you can truly stand on. What is he saying to you? Don't presume upon God. We have a relationship with God. It's ongoing. It's fresh. It's new. It's exciting. It's a daily thing. We're on that because he wants to be speak to you. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, I want to thank you uh, for this morning. And, and again, Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here and to celebrate uh, a life with you. And to uh, thank you, God, for the victory of the cross. And Father, I pray that we would be uh, people of faith. That, Lord, every day of our life, we would continue on that journey of faith. We would continue to grow in faith. We would continue to go forward in faith, trusting you more, God. We will continue to hear is the word of the Lord to us. What is God saying to us, Father? Not be people that are so quick to hear what you're saying for everybody else, but to know what is the word of the Lord for me in my situation right now so I can have faith and believe you, God, whether it be the breakthrough to come out the other end or whether it be, as Paul said, to have the grace and the sufficiency to go through it because I know that you have told me I'll come out the other end. I know that you have told me that your grace is sufficient for me, Father. Whatever it would be, Lord, I pray for each of us in this room. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our spirits, Lord. Build our faith and help us journey with you to the place where you want us to be, God. In Jesus' wonderful name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, we're, we attempt to be incredibly punctual here in this church. And it's 12.01. I'm a minute past. We try not to go past 12. Thank you uh, for coming along this morning. Have a great week. Hang around. We've got tea and coffee and cakes.
And uh, as I said at the start, grab someone you haven't spoken to before, meet somebody new, could become your next best friend for life. Have a fantastic week and hopefully we'll see you next Sunday.